We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, episode number 94 with Pice Learning. I'm actually speaking with Ashley Drill and Jamie Tewksbury, who both teach at Greenwood Elementary School in Plymouth, Minnesota, and they are the teachers at the school of Brad Gustafson. And you might remember Brad from episode 70 of this podcast. And it is no surprise that he is inspiring teachers to do amazing things because he's doing amazing things. So they're going to talk about PICE learning, which is a new and improved way of teaching comprehension skills for our 21st century learners. What is so awesome about what they do is they focus on the skill before they focus on the technology. And you're going to hear me praise them for that repeatedly through this because I just love that it took us a long time to get to any apps they were using to help their kids learn because it's not about the apps. It's about student learning and they have that right on the head. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy learning about PICE learning. All right, welcome to Transformative Principle. This week I have Jamie Tewksbury and Ashley Drill joining me, and we are going to talk about PICE learning. Ladies, why don't you start out by describing what PICE learning is? PICE learning is an acronym, and it stands for the P stands for personalized, the I is independent, the C is connected, and the E stands for e learning. PICE learning is an approach that gives students ownership in their learning while using in focusing on the standards and the skills that each student needs to learn. And they're able to connect with each other, focusing on independent learning in our ever-changing 21st century. Awesome. And that's kind of a quick overview of it. (laughs) That's pretty good. Thank you. We should also probably differentiate whose voice is whose. So who is that that was just talking? That was Ashley. And Jamie, would you say hello and let people know who you, what you sound like? Yes, I'm Jamie Tewksbury. Yep, this is me. 
So we've been teaching third grade. We teach in Minnesota. Awesome. And you guys are at Greenwood Elementary, which is the school where Dr. Brad Gustafson is the principal. And he's the one that actually connected us. And he's been on this podcast before and has been a inspiration to me and many other leaders and educators across the country. And he was so impressed with the things that you guys are doing that he said, I pretty much had to interview you. So that's a pretty good endorsement from someone. So what I'd like to talk about is how you developed Pice Learning and what you what got you started down this path? Well, this is Jamie talking, and we've been teaching for almost 10 years now together. And we started about seven years ago, really team teaching. And about two years ago, over the summer, we kind of decided that it was time to get our students more engaged in what we were doing, what they were doing. We just kind of felt like we were in a rut as to how we were teaching and wanted to develop something new. You know, in our district, there's a big push right now for using technology. And we wanted to come up with a way to use technology while teaching, you know, the skills that our district was implementing and the common core. And we just really sat down one summer and said, how can we do this? We have iPads in our school in fourth and fifth grade. It's a one-to-one ratio. And then from in K through three, we teach third grade. It's a three-to-one ratio. So that's kind of a challenge with something that we wanted to figure out how we could do that. And we wanted to figure out how to use technology besides just saying that we were using an app. We wanted to really figure out how every week we could take technology while teaching specifically language arts at this time is what we're focusing on. So we just have spent the last couple summers going through our uh, curriculum, researching what other people are doing and kind of developing ideas week by week on at how we can better teach our students using technology. We felt as if the biggest goal for us was engaging our students. This is Ashley now engaging our students while Um, like Jamie said, bringing in technology into our classroom so that, you know, the district was pushing us into figuring out, you know, how can we use our iPads? How can we involve technology into the classroom? But we were also noticing that the students were coming in, eager learners already knowing a lot about technology. And so right away we thought, okay, let's take our, our curriculum we're using and develop technology around that. And right away we've seen the kids thriving with it. They, they don't even realize they're learning. <laughs> Excellent. That's the way we like it to happen. Right. So interesting thing. I didn't know that you weren't one-to-one at your school. So you're able to do personalized independent learning when it's you have to share the iPad all the time. Talk a little bit about that because we often make excuses that we mm-hmm. um, have to have one-to-one for us to be successful. How do you do that when you're not one-to-one? It takes a lot of organization. And at the beginning of the year, we really have to model with the students how to work together. And then when you know some students are using the iPads, we have other things that the students are using as well. So yeah, it just takes a lot of organization and management in the classroom. So we develop lessons every week that the lesson is introduced and the project that is introduced starts on a Monday 
and they have all week to work on it. So they're not rushed and they can go through and share and really use each other also as resources when they are using these iPads. And, you know, we group the students so that they're working in collaborative team efforts around this iPad, but we have a couple of activities going on at the same time. So like Jamie said, it does take a lot of organization and planning. And that was one of the biggest hurdles, but as every good teacher does, you know, they plan their lessons out and they tweak it as they go. And so sometimes we do, do have to quick make a transition. That is probably one of the biggest hurdles is this three to one, but at the same time, it's a blessing in disguise because the kids are, you know, another thing they're not realizing is they're collaboratively working together and connecting with each other in each project each week. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And those are the skills we really want kids to learn. One thing that I really appreciate is that you're not just, you're using technology more than just using an app. Talk about some of the things that you are currently working on with your students where they have to, I don't know, use multiple apps or how is it not about the app? Because it often so much is about the app. You know, like just thinking our most recent story coming up where the skill, we look at the skill first and the students last week were working on sequencing, sequencing activities. Um, and then this week they're working on visualizing. So we try to focus on what, can, what kind of project can we do around those skills while using literature in, during the week as well, obviously. And so we'll use QR codes for the kids to then build and work on their vocabulary. But beyond that, we'll have them use an explain everything app, but they'll build on a project in there. So instead of getting a, you know, traditionally, it would have been a marker and a notepad or a um, poster board post, or yeah, something. Poster board. And they would draw a poster of what they're showing. Now we can offer them the the project and they can use explain everything. They can use book creator. They can use pick collage, pick collage, comic book. There's so many different apps that gives them that choice of how do they want to build their project and present their project. It's not just playing you know, a game. I think like sometimes people think like an app is playing a game for, you know, reinforcement with you know, math facts or, you know, maybe just like looking at a map. So what we have the students do with the apps on the iPad is actually create projects and they have the choice to decide how they want to present and share what they are learning, that they don't even realize that they are learning about visualizing because they think they're more like they're working on a project instead. I really like that. And what I like so much about that is that they can express what they've learned in any way. And that seems like a really important part of your approach that allows students to define their own way of, of showing what they're doing. So they could be also making a movie or making, could they still use a poster board if they want thought that was best? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And something that's really important that we do is with the grade that we teach last year with being our first year teaching this to the third graders, it took a lot of time to teach them how to even use these apps. So every week we would introduce a new app and have to go through it step-by-step with them. By the end of the year, they were so independent and it was just amazing to see all the choices that they were able to make and how you know different everybody's project was, but they were all learning the same thing. And we've already seen this year from last year's second graders who also had iPads how quickly they are able to now open up some of these apps and already start creating their projects. 
while they are learning, you know, last week about sequencing. And this week we're teaching continuing sequencing, but starting to teach visualizing. Like we're excited to see now what they can do this coming up week already. So did I understand you correctly that you had the same students last year and you're looping with them? No, sorry. It's um, just the second graders also have iPads. So from last year, so the kids who came up from second grade have already used iPads. So they will also be able, you know, so they're able to continue using iPads in third grade. Okay. So they've been exposed to the tool already. And so they are familiar with how to use it and you're taking it hopefully to the next level, right? Exactly. And that's what we felt like a lot of our time last year was spending the time teaching them how to use the tool as opposed to now this year already, we can tell that they already know how to use the tool. Now it's create, just create and work on their project. They're working on showing us that they're meeting the objective of whichever objective we're, we're giving them. One thing we also notice is that students are just more eager to get started in all of the learning that we're doing. So if we start them off in the week and we start building background knowledge and giving them choice on what, what projects they're going to be working on, they kind of automatically differentiate their own learning, which is pretty cool because they go off on their own and say, well, we're going to do it this way or let's, let's do it this way. And it, it works for them, for their learning. And you don't have to direct that as much because they do it on their own? Yeah. Yeah. And they're working as groups and collaborative groups. That's pretty cool. What about kids that are not very motivated to learn? Is this helping with those kids? What kind of challenges are you still facing with that? Yeah, that's exactly what I was yeah, just saying is that those kids that we feel like we're lagging behind or not motivated about reading or they would hear those words language arts or literature or whatever, you know, by getting them excited about Python learning, we don't have those students anymore. It's interesting. We will differentiate and Jamie might take a group of students who are higher learners and she would give them another tool to use or another another um, skill or objective that they have to add into their project. And then I would take those lower learners. And in the past, I would be wishing there may be two or three more uh, teachers in the classroom to help me out because that motivation is just lacking. With Pice Learning, you don't see that. They just thrive and they're excited. And even, I'm trying to, give, trying to even, think of a specific example. Even simple things. We have um, all the stories through a website. Our, we call it a Moodle site in our district. And so we have the stories and other things, other materials for the students to listen to on our iPad. So that itself is motivating for some of those students to be able to read or listen to the story through our Moodle site on our iPad versus opening up just a a book, which is kind of sad to say that that's kind of hard for some students, but I think it's all about motivating and still teaching them, you know, using whatever motivates them. We have the story as a PDF and then they can listen to the story at home. And so some of our lowest learners last year would go home and they'd come back over the weekend or on Monday on a Tuesday and say, Hey, you know, I I like that story so much. I went back and I read it and listened to it. So, well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. And already this year we've had students saying, can I finish this project at home? One other piece to PICE we have is the connected piece which we're really excited about. And we see students all the time. I think of one example from last year, one of my students who struggled with writing big time. And he, not not necessarily coming up with ideas. He had great creative ideas. It was that cognitive piece of just holding onto the pencil. And 
we would finish um, our work and then we would post a blog question and the kids would read the blog, the question through this Moodle site, which is kind of like a blackboard site where you can share each other's learning. And he never wanted to go out to recess. And this is a boy who loves playing football, loves running around outside. And he would want to finish his writing because he knew that his peers would read his, his work and his response and his um, reflection. So we'd post a question and at least once during the week, the kids would have to respond. And he would say to me, can I stay in and work on this? Which I was like, I'm done. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Victory. We made it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, victory. I made it. Yeah, that's great. No, it's great. And we see that over and over again. It's so cool. There are students who, you know, we always of course, have extra work for those kids that get done early. And so there are times where some students maybe won't get to the reflection question for the week and they will go home and they will make sure that they get it done because they are so excited to go on to the Moodle site and look at their peers' responses and be able to respond as well and kind of reflect on what other people had to say in their class. And now this year, we use that Moodle site as well for in-class writing, but now we're starting with KidBlog. So it's like they have their own little mini classroom in the comfort of their own home where they can read each other's work through KidBlog. And and that's tied into Moodle, is that right? You know, it's separate, but they're both blogging pieces for students. Sure. So what's really cool about that is you've got third grade students who you are providing a safe and basically closed environment for them to be able to experiment with this and learn about how to publish and create a social identity on the internet and they are already taking taking that opportunity and being thoughtful about what they're doing. And they're just third graders. Now, imagine what these kids are going to be like when they get to middle and high school, when they've been doing this for a couple of years and know what it means to act respectfully on the internet. I think that the kinds of things you're doing is helping to raise up a generation that knows how to avoid cyberbullying and inappropriate things on the internet. And it doesn't even sound like that is one of your goals, but it sounds like it's happening naturally because of the projects you're putting in front of the kids. Yeah. And another thing that we do at the beginning of the year is like we said, we're trying to connect a lot through Twitter, but we like for our students to actually be the tweeters. So during the week, we actually have the jobs of two students being the tweeters. And so these last two weeks, cause we just started, you know, school two weeks ago, we've been really having them write the tweets and they have to handwrite them. And it's all about teaching them what's, you know, appropriate and how do you say something on the internet or through Twitter. And so we have them write it in their notebook on, and on a piece of paper that we actually stick on a bulletin board. But Mrs. Drill this week, Ashley, she pulled it up like the Twitter site so they could actually see that the tweets are online and they were just like blown away. It like took it to a whole new level. Like, Oh my gosh, what we're really doing in the classroom is really on there for everybody to see. Cause we wanted them to really see the importance of how you really have to think about what you're tweeting and putting on the internet. Absolutely. And are you tweeting that out on the Pice learning Twitter account? Yes. Yep. yep. We do it on our Pice learning account and we also do it on our classroom Twitter accounts as well at Mrs. Drill third and at Mrs. Tewksbury third as well. And at first, at first when we started doing that, we almost used it as a means to just show the parents what we were doing in the classroom so that that dinner conversation could be a little bit more in depth instead of how was your day fine. They actually had 
something that they could ask their child specifically. I noticed on Twitter, you did this today. Tell me more. But now we're seeing that the kids are now going home and they're wanting to look on Twitter and connect. And so our next step is connecting our Twitter classroom to another classroom somewhere you know, in the country, out of the country. Um, and that connection piece, we connect the kids. We've done stories with FaceTime and we FaceTimed with a school. Our story was about Africa. So we FaceTimed with a woman in Africa and she walked us through a market and and the kids were able to see that. And so we've connected that way, but our next step is to connect our kids on social media with other kids on social media. And then we'll teach them more about, you know, etiquette using social media. It's such a huge tool in our 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty amazing that you can have a connection with someone in Africa and actually see what it looks like there through a FaceTime. Yeah, we're actually planning on doing that actually again here in two weeks. So we're pretty excited about it. It worked out wonderfully last year. So hopefully it works out just as well this year. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure it will. <laughs> we fingers crossed. Yeah. So I also really like how your paper Twitter thing is. You've got 140 spaces for kids to write. Yes. Did you see that? Have you seen that? Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Yeah. And that's one of the big things that, you know, they, they were just wide eyed listening when we were modeling what it looks like to do your first tweet. And they, that was a big deal. They feel pretty mature about writing a tweet that goes out to others to see it's leaving our classroom and so then it goes back to just the the simple pieces of using correct grammar. Is this what you want people to hear you say? So it, it's a little of reflection. What did we do today? And a little grammar lesson as well. Yeah. And that's uh, pretty important. Thank you so much for listening to the Transformative Principle Podcast. I've been your host, Jethro Jones, and I am really excited about this PICE learning thing. I think that it is definitely the right approach, which focuses on the content first and technology second. Instead of focusing on what apps to use, we focus on what skills the kids need to learn and let them choose the apps that they're going to use to demonstrate that. I think that's a really great approach. And I'm really excited about talking to these ladies next week where we're going to talk about what learning was like then versus now with Pice Learning. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. If you have suggestions of anybody who should be on the podcast, I'd love for you to drop me a line at Jethro Jones on Twitter. And please go ahead and like Transformative Principle on Facebook, facebook.com slash Transformative Principle. Love to have some discussion and talk about things there. Thank you so much. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.